We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. Our speaker today is the senior pastor, Tom Nelson. Take a look here at Mark chapter 10. It's about divorce. I was walking Teresa, my wife, through this. She said, what are you going to give? And I gave that. And she just merely said, happy Father's Day. (laughs) So uh, this is a... uh, I was not excited about uh, approaching Mark chapter 10. It's also in Matthew. It's also in Luke. You can't get around it. It's three times. And uh, because this divorce is such an unpleasant experience for a whole bunch of people in our church. When I was a kid, I knew one guy. I had a buddy named Buzz Brown whose parents were divorced. And that's the only one that I knew in all of my growing up. Has that changed? Yeah, it has. And so this is a very painful experience for a lot of y'all that have gone through this. And because in our modern day, the home has taken the biggest hit in postmodernism. We're in a day that is not mimetic, it is poetic. Does that make sense to you? Mimesis means that you mime something, that you're trying to imitate it. It's the old Judeo-Christian worldview, that there's a die, there's a best way of doing something. I want you to get married and be a good husband. You be a good wife. You be a good citizen. You be a good soldier. You be a good neighbor. You be a good American. You be a, a good whatever, that there's a good, there's a better, there's a best And so that's the critical worldview, the antithetical worldview that comes out of the Judeo-Christian ethic, that there's a right way and happiness is fitting into it because it's fitting into the will of God. That's called mimesis, mimetic. Amen? Are you with me? Are you with me? Work with me, all right. And that's what we all grew up with. And in the final analysis, that's what you want is a standard You're going to be a cop, be a good cop, all right? We have changed in our day from mimesis to poiesis. That's the word for creation, that no longer do you try to be a good father, a good mother, to be a good boy and a good girl. That is seen as inauthentic and weak. You remember the Marlon Brando movie? Uh, The, uh, oh, it was the first teen movie, The Wild Ones. And the girl says to Marlon Brando, Johnny, what are you rebelling against, Johnny? What do you got? That was seen as the antihero. Now to fit in is seen as weakness. Amen? You're inauthentic. You need to get your motor running, get out on the highway, looking for adventure and whatever comes your way. Like a true nature's child, you are born to be wise. And so now you're really a man if you rebel against everything. And where your authority comes from and where your truth comes from is you. You get to be God. I'm not going to follow your rules of morality. I'm going to do what I think. I'm not going to be a good kid. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm not going to be a good parent. I'm going to do what I want to do. Would you all agree we have moved from mimesis to poesis? Even if that's the first time you heard it. There's a book that just came on this by a guy named Carl Truman. T-R-U-E-M-A-N, and it's called The Emergence and the Victory of the Modern Self. You ought to read it. 
You really should. He's a guy that he sees it as what's happened to us. That's how in our day that, uh, you know, you have kids that they're going to create their own reality. I want to be a boy. I want to be a girl. I want to I want to be non-gender. I want to be a this. Is that out there? That's called poiestis. And it came out of the rejection of the Christian worldview. And True Man says in his book, no culture has ever successfully navigated this. The culture always thinks that does this because it won't work. And so what's taken the biggest hit has been the home that there's a way a father should be and the mother should be and the kid should be. Feminism says no. Dr. Spock says no. The arts say no. How is a man presented on the arts? It's presented as weak, as stupid. It's the woman that has to take over. And so it's kind of undermined the whole society. And so with modern man, marriage, the home has collapsed. Okay, and we're kind of the last harbingers that are holding that, that standard out there. Well, that breakdown of the home. Incidentally, what's the, the psalm say? Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain to build it. And unless the Lord guards the city, the workers or the, the guards stay awake in vain. Your home and your culture is gone, Solomon says. When you no longer have a standard, you're done. And so this had happened to Israel. By the time of Christ, it had happened to Israel. When sin gets in, it's always going for the, for the uh, I mean, like cancer, it's going for the liver, and it's going for the home, always. Because when God started creation, he started with the man the wife, the kids, the home. Matter of fact, he even loaned his name out. You'll be a father. Okay. Let me show you something to press you a little more. If you'll go back to Malachi, last book of your Old Testament, Malachi chapter 2, in verse 10, look what had happened to the home 400 years before Jesus. Do we not all have one Father, God? Has not one God created us? Yes. Why do we deal treacherously against his brother so as to profane the covenant of our fathers? If we have one God, why do we have Jews in our culture, Malachi says, that are rebelling against the worship of the true God and screwing it up for all the rest of us? In verse 11, Judah's dealt treacherously. An abomination has been committed in Israel and in Judea, Jerusalem. Judah profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. They were bringing into the nation women who were idolaters. Y'all remember a particular king that took 700 wives, and they were pagans, and they turned his heart away? And in the days of Nehemiah, Nehemiah they were doing it again in Nehemiah's day. He said, hey, you remember Solomon? He couldn't do it then. You're not going to do it now. The home is gone. The nation's gone. And so they were marrying outside the faith. And in verse 13, here's another thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears and weeping and groaning. 
because he doesn't regard the offering or accept the favor, the offering from your hand. And here's why. It's the way you men have done your wives. You say, for what reason? Verse 14, the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth. That girl you married back in 1972 that you made that vow to, he's been a witness against whom you've dealt treacherously. You abandoned her, though she is your companion and your wife by, what's the last word? Covenant, that there's a divinity to that marriage and you blew it off. And as a result, judgment has come. And so Israel was failing in marriage and it's had 400 years to canker and now here comes Jesus. So go back here to Mark chapter 10. There were two lines of thought in Jesus's day. There was the Rabbi Shammai and there is the Rabbi Hillel. Rabbi Shammai says you can't divorce except for the cause of immorality. If your wife cheats or takes off, you can divorce. Rabbi Hillel, he says, you can divorce if she burns the food. Don't write that down, Skip. <laughs> if, she, if, if she's not pretty anymore, or if you can hear her voice in the street from the house. <laughs> I ain't making that up. In other words, they got it from Deuteronomy 24. If a man finds indecency in his wife, well, that word indecency took a broad sweep of meaning right there. And so, those two views were out there. No divorce, easy divorce. So it had reached the people of God. That make you feel better? They were just as dumb as us, okay, the Jews of the day. And so, this is what got John the Baptist killed. There was a politician named Herod. He had a wife named Herodias who was married to his brother named Philip. And Herod came to visit and she liked Herod over Philip. She got rid of Philip and married Herod. He said, that's all right. And so we have this flagrant um, just obstinacy against God and his, uh, from a guy called the king of the Jews. Do you remember the prophet that got irritated at that and spoke out and said that is wrong among all the other wicked things that Herod had done? Who was the guy who did that? John the Baptist. And Herodias said, you're a dead man. I'm gonna shut that mouth. And so this view of divorce, the uh, Shammai view, it got him killed, saying no. And so, we're about here to have another intimate conversation. Christ is going to make a statement, and then in verse 10, y'all see verse 10 of Mark 10? In the house, the disciples began questioning him about this again. They all circled up and said, Jesus, did you say what I thought you just said? Yeah, you did. Well, it would be better for a man not to marry. And Jesus said, right. <laughs> he said, some men are made eunuchs. When they're bought and sold, they make them eunuchs. Some are born 
that way with a physical inability to procreate and some become eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of God that stay single like Paul will do. But he said, not all men can hang on to this. But yes, marriage is a scary adventure. It's a commitment all the way to the end. I watched Mel Summerall love Patty Summerall until Patty Summerall didn't know that it was Mel. And he loved her till the end. And so, Jesus is about to have a conversation and he is about to say to the apostles that are the foundation of the church, quote, we're going back four centuries, boys. We're gonna reform 400 years and we're going back to the standard. And if I'm going, y'all are going with me. And they said, that's different. He said, get used to different. Actually, he didn't say that. I said that, but that's what he meant. Are you with me? We're about to have a real serious seismic shift in marriage. And we are going to have the birth of mimesis in marriage. There's a way to do it and there's a way not to do it. And we're gonna have the birth of what is called the Judeo-Christian idea of marriage. Will you take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife to have and to hold from this day forward? I will. To love, honor, and cherish and forsaking all others, will you keep her to yourself so long as you both shall live? For richer, for poorer, sickness and health, better or for worse in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so we're about to begin an institution that you can build a country on. Well, in verse one, getting up, he went to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. This is called Idumea. It's where the Edomites lived. Question, who is the most famous Edomite in the New Testament? Herod, he's Idumean. We're in Herod's backyard. And crowds gathered and according to his custom, he began to teach them. This is Jesus's favorite thing to do of a bunch of people getting around to see this novelty. And he says, take a knee. I wanna tell you some things. He loved to teach. One theologian said, preaching came off of Jesus like fleas off a dog. If you sat with him long enough, he was going to start talking about God. And so in verse 2, some Pharisees came up to Jesus and testing him. They began to question him whether it was lawful for a man to divorce his wife. This is a hostile question. Do you agree with John the Baptist or do you agree with Herod? Whenever Martin Luther had to defend himself uh, at Leipzig and at the Diet of Worms, they got him to agree that he agreed with John Hus, the Bohemian that 400 years earlier had been burned at the stake for saying the Pope was not the final authority. So you're agreeing with Hus and that's what they're doing to Jesus. You're agreeing then with John the Baptist, are you not? So this is not a nice question. This is an intention barbed to hook him. 
And Jesus, in verse 3, says, what did Moses command you? Let's go to the Bible. Moses, in verse 4, permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. I want you to see that text. Turn back to Deuteronomy 24. It's one of the most contentious verses that Jesus has to deal with. In Deuteronomy 24, when a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that he finds no, she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her. He's seen something. And he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out from the house. Now, that was the Old Testament system of divorce. The man would write, you are not my husband, my wife, I am not your husband. And he would write it, clap, and it was done. And now that woman, it was now official, the marriage was severed, the woman now was not abandoned, it was a way of God's curtailing the evils. If you had not had this system, you would just said, bye, move out, you're gone, I'm going to get another wife. And it would have been more cruel than it would have been. It allowed the woman to remarry, even though it stigmatized her. As one of the Gospels would say, it causes her to commit adultery, which is one word in the Greek. It adulterizes her. It stigmatizes her. I've got a woman I want you to meet. She's been divorced. Oh, don't email me. But that happens. Jesus said it stigmatizes that woman. And that's, that's wrong. And so go back here to Mark 10. That's the text that they're quoting. This much contended text between Hillel and Shammai. What does indecency mean? Well, in verse 5, Jesus, and incidentally, y'all know what Jesus' view? Is it Shammai, no divorce, or is it Hillel, easy divorce. Which rule is he going to take? Shammai. Jesus is going to say, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality so as to marry another commits adultery. Christ is going to take Shammai. And that's what was intended. But the question is, how do we have these seemingly contradictory verses? Verse 5, Jesus says, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. The Zondervan Study Bible reads this. Divorce was an accommodation to human weakness and was used to bring order in a society that had disregarded God's will, but it was not the standard God had originally intended. The purpose of Deuteronomy 24.1 was not to make divorce acceptable, but to reduce the hardship of its consequences. And that's what Christ is saying. God gave you this because if he hadn't have, you'd have simply said, you, Clarice, get out. You're gone. Take your stuff. You're gone. Now, I'm going to go get me another wife. And we're not going to do that. You have got to be able to point out something. Then you've got to be able to dismiss her. And now she is free to go. It was not God's best. It's the way that you raise a child, that you have rules while they're a child, when they grow up, now you're expected to be mature. And so these were rules to a child.
And so Jesus says, God did this because of the hardness of heart. He knew you men would go through women like socks. You dig? And that's what would happen. You'll go through women like socks, and I'm not going to let you do that. We're going to slow it down. We're going to give order to it. In verse 6, but from the beginning, let's go back to Genesis, the beginning of creation. Make a note, Christ is a creationist. That was brilliant. Okay. From the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. He also believes God uh, creates genders, and you are what you're born with. You are cisgender. He made them male and female. He also believes that males are to marry females, all right, because you tend to inhibit procreation when you don't. I was a bio minor. Oh, no. The... And so, verse 7, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, that when we get married, we're about to start a new family. And the two, that's called monogamy, you take a wife or a husband. The two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one flesh. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. That the intent from creation is, according to Jesus, one man and one woman who become one upon the marriage bed. That sex is not for the recreation of single people. Amen. Sorry, that ain't American. It ain't human. But it ain't the way God intended things. It's a man and it's a woman with a formal commitment that's united on the marriage bed. And it goes until death us do part. Does this sound uh, reformed? Yeah, we're reforming. Y'all remember something about Jesus. He doesn't say anything really novel. He's always returning. I did not come to annul Moses and the prophets, but to fulfill them. I'm going to bring them into reality. The law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I'm going to make this thing work. But to love God and to love men, I'm going to create that in you. A new covenant in you, in your heart. And so, that's the standard. In verse 10, they went inside the house and the boys said, man, that's real severe. And Jesus said, let me tell you how severe that is. Verse 11, whoever divorces his wife and marries another woman, meaning you get rid of Sally to get Frida, all right? You simply got tired of her and you got to get you a new wife, you need a new model. And so we're going to get you one. And so he marries another woman. Jesus says he commits adultery. I believe it was Christ that coined the phrase, I may have been born at night, but not last night. I think that was Jesus. He was born at night. <laughs> he says, boys, I see right through what you're doing. You ain't fooling nobody but yourself. You just want 
a new body in the bed. That's all you want. And you're trying to launder it under the Bible. And it ain't going to work. And in verse 12, if she herself divorces her husband to go get another, she's tired of Skip and she wants Bill. <laughs> it's adultery. Incidentally, that's very powerful that Jesus said that. Remember, he's in the land of Idumea. Herodias left Herod to marry, I'm sorry, left Philip to marry Herod. Jesus, in verse 12, is taken on the system. John the Baptist said it was wrong, and I'm telling you it was wrong too. Well, now I could stop here and we could all frolic on off Happy Father's Day, okay? But when, I have to settle something here. When is it that you can have a divorce? Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 had some things to say, all right? As a matter of fact, what Paul said was, this not I say, but the Lord, meaning this is going back to the Gospels. And then another time he will say, in the same context, this saith not the Lord, but me, and I think that I have the Spirit of God. Paul said, you can't find this in the Gospels. But I'm saying it, and it's just as biblical as if Jesus said it. So that's 1 Corinthians 7. Because as the Christian age moved on in the Gentile world, there started being problems and sexuality, morality, and marriage among a people that were totally pagan. And so Paul had to speak to some issues, apostolic authority. When is divorce allowed? Uh, I'm going to give you about five things just real quick. Except for the purpose of immorality, when there is adultery. Adultery doesn't mean you have to divorce. We have numbers of couples that have gone through unfaithfulness and grieved and repented and came back and are doing fine. As a matter of fact, I want you to stand. If you, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but they have. They're doing well. Because God can restore the years the locust is eaten. Amen? Yeah. And so we have numbers of couples. Uh, I had a woman call me once and she said, my husband... I mean, I just got a call from a man who said, your husband is having sex with my wife. Can you imagine that phone call? She said, really? He said, yes. And he said, I'm letting you know. She called me and said, what do I do? I said, well, hang on here. Uh, here we are. I said, here's what you do. When he walks in the door, you meet him in the door. You said, I got this phone call. This guy said this, you. I don't believe it unless I hear it from you. You tell me, is that true? If he says it's true, I said, you wash his eyes. If his eyes fall and he says with tears, what do I need to do? Then you call me back and we'll talk. But if he says, well... That's just too bad. That's the way it is. We're going to get a lawyer, and we're going to be done with it. 
And so you don't have to divorce, but there are some times that it's intolerable, okay? Now, let me tell you something about me. I'm not one of those guys, those pastors, that say to a hurt man or woman, and generally it's the woman, you know, you need to be loyal to this adulterer and go ahead and pick up what venereal diseases you need as long, and if it turns to beating you, then if it's just flagrant and it'll ruin your children, but we need to just stay and let's see how long that we can draw and quarter you. I don't do that just the way I am. And so if I see there is stubbornness, I say, you need to be gone. And I get him gone. Don't email me, okay? But I don't want like to see how long we can keep this woman in torture. It's going to be done. So if it's, it's not necessarily, because sometimes they can get together. And also under this is a sin that occurs today that wasn't happening then because it didn't have the technology. It's called pornography. If a man, women will do it too, but if a man brings pornography into the house and he's doing it blatantly, it's not that he got caught. It's yes, I'm going to do it and that's the way it is. We will have a, if he claims to be a Christian, we will have a sit down. And I will say that's intolerable. You can have your wife or you can have pornography, but you're not going to have them both. You can't do that to this woman. So I'll give you 24 hours. You think about it. And if you say no, you're gone. I'm not going to subject that woman to this. And so uh, we regard pornography in the same way. And if the guy calls himself a Christian, he's going to continue. We're going to call him a non-Christian and a Gentile and a tax gatherer and put him outside the church. And then if the unbeliever leaves, let him leave. He's an unbeliever. He left. The brother or sister is no longer bound in such cases. So our elder board doesn't let women get tortured long. We deal with it right there. And then we've got a guy on our staff named Joey Chichi. I'm just kidding. <laughs> The other issue is a mixed marriage. If a believing mate married an unbeliever, Paul says, don't divorce. The unbelieving mate is sanctified by the believing mate. Otherwise, your children are unclean, but now they're holy. You might be able to win to Christ that person. But then he says, but if the unbeliever leaves, let him leave. And so let's see, let's don't necessarily, because what was happening is women were getting converted in the middle of mixed marriages. And they wanted to know, do we just take off? He said, no. Be respectful to your husband, even to those who are disobedient to the word, that they may be won without a word by the chaste, respectful behavior of their wives. That can happen. That men go, wow, what got a hold of this woman? And they become Christians. We've got couples all over this place that have led their mates to Christ. But if the unbeliever leaves, there's nothing we can do there. Paul said, let him leave. The brother or sister is no longer bound in such cases, but God has called us to peace. If we can possibly bring it together, we can. That's why we have in our church a reconciliation board that you sit down with men and women and they work through the individual case. Let me tell you why we do this. Because women said to us, you need to quit trusting women. These were women that said it to us. 
She said, nothing's easier to fool than a man. Unquote. We said, what do you mean? What do you mean? And she said, don't take a woman's side too quickly. Men do that. She said, and I quote, we know how to push your buttons. And if we want to get rid of you, we know how to do it. And I said, <laughs> really? And you know, uh, she was right. And so she said, let us get them. And I've seen those and they're ugly when women get other women in there. You know, it's like if you're an alcoholic and you're going to lie, don't lie to another alcoholic because they'll smell you out. And women can't fool women. They can fool men. Okay, I'm just going to leave that right there because I left the room crying. <laughs> uh, another one is abandonment. Is there just the guy just, the guy takes off. Sit down, let's talk. And again, the women said, find out why he's doing it. She may be pushing his button. So we sick the woman on her. And if we find out now, then we'll say, why are you doing this? And if we see there is no reason, there is no adultery, there is no water, what? One time I visited with a guy that was going to remarry a woman. And he said, I said, now why? They want me to do the marriage. I said, why are you going to, did you divorce your wife over here? And he said, well, and I don't know, I don't know the, the, you know, how it works here. But he said, she started off as a size three, and now she's like a size 27 or something like that. And I said, wait a minute, you left your wife because she gained weight? And he was like, oh, yeah. And I looked at her, and I said to her, you know, you ain't Audrey Hepburn you're going to put on a little weight. Are you going to leave her? And we just kind of left the conversation. And I said, no, I'm not going to remarry you. You don't leave your wife because she gained weight, you idiot. <laughs> and so whenever a guy is just going to abandon his wife, give me a reason. What'd she do? I just don't love her anymore. That don't work. That don't work. If the unbeliever leaves, let him leave. Oh, he said he's a Christian. Who cares? If he acts like a non-Christian, he's a non-Christian. And so we sit him down and we talk to him. No, you can't do that. Two or more, no, you can't do that. The elder board, no, you can't do that. And I can't do this either. And you remember, I'm going to do it anyway. Not here you're going to do this. You are now declared an unbeliever. And I'm personally going to go find her another husband 20 years younger than you. <laughs> Don't email me. Do not email me. Okay. Uh, the other one is abuse. Physical abuse is illegal. Y'all know that? That's illegal. You go to jail. And I have had women that have come and started talking to me and I saw where the conversation was going and I said, let me stop this just a second. If you keep saying what I think you're going, I'm going to get on the phone. So you need to think. Women who are physically abused will not speak out until the seventh time. 
And so I'm going to stop it. If this is happening, I'm going to stop it. And then I turn her over to the women who make sure she's not doing it to push somebody's button so she can get him out of there. I didn't say that. They said that. Y'all want their names? <laughs> That's what they said. Yeah. And so physical abuse, that stops. If the unbeliever leaves, let him leave. Oh, but I didn't leave. Yes, you did. You may not have filed, you may not have left, but you left when you went to beating this woman. I never let a disobedient man hide behind the Bible. I won't let him do it. In the same way, it can be emotional abuse, which can be just as bad. If I hear, if there are names being called in the presence of the kid and stuff that is intolerable to live in, we challenge that. You can't do that and be married. He keeps doing that. You can't do that and be married. You can't marry anybody. You're a rogue male. You can't marry nobody. If it keeps doing, we said that is intolerable. And she cannot live with an unbeliever and you have left the marriage. I didn't file. Yes, you did. I didn't get a lawyer. Don't matter. You left. You're gone. You don't get to hide behind a technicality. Don't email. And then... Uh, the uh, issue of illegal activity. We had a woman once who kept looking up and seeing stuff being brought home by her husband that he did not pay for and found out he was charging it to the Christian institution that he had the credit card. She said, you can't do that. As a matter of fact, it was aiding and abetting if she spent that money. Did y'all know that? You're spending stolen money. She turned him in. He went to prison. If Sapphira had been that smart, she'd have been alive today. Are you with me? Sapphira, did you sell that thing for 50 bucks? Sure did, you a liar. Your husband said that, but he didn't. He sold it for 110 and he kept it. You went along with him and she died. She should have rebelled against her husband. Don't email him. And then if, it was, if you were married and divorced as an unbeliever, we, look, we just don't automatically say, yes, that was an unbeliever, you're okay. I say, no, what did you do? I wanna know if you're still carrying that germ with you. What'd you do? And we have a one-to-one -one conversation for I'm not to turn our girl over to you. You tell me what happened. You tell me about your conversion. Let's talk. I got to know you're changed. Amen? Every woman in this church is like my sister, like my daughter, like my mama sometimes. And where I'm not going to turn a guy over to you until he clears me. We have a graveyard. You know those flowers I plant? <laughs> Don't email me, all right? But I've got, I got about five minutes here. Let me, I, I don't wanna, are y'all with me so far? Okay. And I want you to be encouraged from whatever you came out with because God restores the years the locust has eaten. 
The Bible is put here not so we can read it and preen. I'm doing all right there. Yeah. No, it reads so we can uh, see our sin. That's why it's there. The main reason for divorce, all these other are extraneous. The main reason is I don't love her anymore. And I don't love him anymore. I'm tired of him. And we want out of this. I had one person say to me, we, do, we start doing dating relationships like this from the seventh grade on. And now when we get married, we've already in our culture met somebody, loved them, had sex with them, had sex with them, had sex with them, had sex with them, got bored with it, didn't have the depth enough to carry it on, and we broke up. By the time they get married, they may have physiologically become one and left five times. And now we're going to do it another time. It's just that we got a guy and a cloak and a Bible standing up there. Are you with me? And that's why we've already got them. We've trained them in divorce already. And so what do we do now whenever I don't love her anymore? Is that a problem in our culture? I'm just, I had a starter marriage. Now I'm ready to get on with it. Let me show you. Uh, this is the man. This is the woman. All right? Barbie and Kendall. Okay. <laughs> no. Ken and Barbie. Okay. Here they are, and they get. They have needs. A man's greatest need, if you want to make a circle, put a circle there, that's the man, put an R, it's called respect. Men, that's erotic to them, to be respected. The woman, you put the word T, tenderness. A shining knight that will lay his life down. A woman's looking for a man on a cross that will love her to the death. A man is looking at a woman and say, you love me and I will trust you completely. That's an aphrodisiac. It's a hormone we don't produce. Men get respect dialogically from others that they dialogue with. A woman gets tenderness from others. And so they have this need. And then what happens is they meet and they start seeing each other. And then they act out of instinct, predatory instinct. I can't get her unless I smile at her and lean across the table. And listen to her. I can't get this man if I don't in some way provide that hormone. How many degrees do you have? Oh, I can't remember. You're so funny. And so they provide that hormone. Amen? Because they know instinctively you can't get them if you don't. And so we provide that. We dress up. We put on whatever we need to put on. We look good. All right. We get married. All right. And then you get to saying, boy, and then you have your first kiss. It's just electric volts go through you. And then you get married. Okay. And you're thinking, I'm going to have this for the next 50, 60 years. This is going to be great. The problem is, you got married on emotion and assumptions. 
you didn't get married because of a mimetic idea. I'm going to be a good husband. What do I need to do? Love your wife like Christ loved the church. I'm going to do that. Wives, be subject to your husband. I'm going to do that. They didn't do it. They just created it. Okay. And now they get married, and they're expecting a continuation of respect and tenderness. The problem is they didn't have biblical reasons for getting married. You ever started a fire with lighter fluid, and it goes and goes down to nothing? That's the problem with premarital sex. It's the ultimate lighter fluid. It's jet fuel. And you just know this is it. But then they don't have the standards. He doesn't know about loving Christ like Christ loved, loving the woman like the Lord loved us, about being subject to him like the church is to Christ. And all of a sudden, those activities are not disciplines, and they evaporate. You know what the word honeymoon means? It means sweet month. Month. All right. Are those your underwear? Yeah. In the sink? Yes. And so all of a sudden, things start happening. All right. Do you know you sleep with your mouth open? Yeah. You look like a condor. It's like you're swallowing a midget in a wetsuit, you know. And so what we have here is you get married and the, uh, the hormone is not being supplied. You tell me, when the hormone ain't being supplied, you know what's going to happen? Is distance. And then they're going to start getting mad and then we're going to go from disciplined to manipulation. I'm going to make you love me. <laughs> yes, I am. You know I am. I'm going to make you love me. I'll why? I'll yell at you. Pig! That'll work. Is this a burnt offering? I believe this is for Molech. We're going to change them. I'm going to change you. Does that happen? Am I right? Do I speak words of sober truth? I will just, I'll turn you off. I'll yell at you. Well, I'll just turn you off. I'm not going to listen to you. I'll just go underground. You have type A's and type B's. Type A's scream, type B's just go silent. I will freeze you out. You like yelling at me? Yeah. You like being a monk? <laughs> Father Damien? Because you're done. Okay. And so we have ways of punishing each other. And when we do that, does it work? You just, farther you divide. Manipulation. I mean, and we get couples sometimes like when you're mowing and you mow over a piece of wire, baling wire, and it just sucks up into the, into the crank or whatever that thing is, and it just tightens up, and now that you can't even crank that thing. He has tried so long to yell at her, freeze her out, call her names. You're just like your mother. 
No, you're just like my mother. I mean, they have gone at it. The opposite of love isn't hate, it's apathy. I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to change each other. Y'all remember the old Aesop's fable? The wind and the sun have a contest. Who can get the shawl off that guy who's the strongest? Are you with me? And the wind blows 170 miles an hour. What's the traveler do? Tightens it. The sun warms it slowly and he takes it off willingly. And so you got them like the sun and the, they're just blowing on each other. You know, I just won't talk to you. Some of you grew up in this. And it was hell. Amen? Better is a plate of vegetables in a house of peace than a fattened ox in a house of strife. He that troubles his own house inherits the wind. You lost it all. They don't teach you this in college. You lost it. And now the next thing you have is called substitution. I can't make you do this. And so now you go outside the marriage to get your respect and to get your tenderness. Where can you go? Your job, your friends. You ever watch Cheers? You go back to mama. Mom and daddy will love me. You use the kids. You're going to be something. Now you live through those kids. See? A cause. You pick up a cause. Politics. Something that you're into now. Well, I'm going to do this. That's where I'm going to get my meaning. Church. Where you now substitute the church for uh, your mate. I'll get my strokes there. A hobby. I'm going to spend all my time at the gym. No, you'll go somewhere to get that hormone because you're not going to die. And then the day comes that you're at Chili's. And there's a woman sitting across the, the table over at the other one. How you doing? How you doing? That is your color. What's that? Chartreuse. You're fantastic. Any color you are is your color. And they start playing tennis. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Back and forth. Until finally they cross that line. Boy, I wish my wife was more like you. Really? Yeah. You know what? I was thinking the same thing about my husband. Boom, boom. And then you commit. You share the forbidden knowledge. And it's like you're 16. You're 16. And you think you found heaven. And you punt that one. You go to this one. Call the kids together. We're ending it. There's a guy that's a pagan sociologist. Who once said... The major problem in America and Western civilization is divorce. There is no number two problem. Every single problem comes down to the breakdown of the home. All of them. And so now they go get another mate. 
And before they do, they cheat. And on a scale of eroticism that's one to 10, adultery is like a 15. It is straight cocaine. And now in a fever heat, they get married again. We got married in a fever hotter than a pepper sprout. And we've been talking about Jackson ever since the fire went out. It's gone now. And now there's no discipline. And guess what you just started? Disaster number two. Second marriages are 80% divorce because you never learned. So what you got to do, and I'm done. We're way over. Okay. Do I sound like a pastor who's been here before? Because I've been here before. What you do is you get Barbie and Kendall to sit down. And you put a hula hoop over them. And you say to Ken, you're going to take care of what's inside this circle. And it ain't her. It's you. If I were her, I would be like her if I was married to you. You're like the sixth trumpet judgment of Revelation. <laughs> yeah, there's not locust, it's Kindle. That's who it is. You're going to love your wife like Christ loved the church. And you, dear queen of the harpies, you're going to submit to your husband like the church does to Christ. Will he then start? No, whoa, 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 whoa. No, we're not going to do that. If he does, we're not going to do retributive obedience. We're going to do it like you should have done it 22 years ago when you got married. You're going to do something you've never done. You're going to be obedient to God. She's going to love a different person. You're going to be a different kind of a guy. That's the only way you can fix it. Trust me. There is no plan B. It's the Bible of two people that start obeying God. And then you say to them, now, son, if you start obeying God and being kind and loving and gentle to your wife, she's going to love it. But if I'm God, I'm not going to let her change quick because I'm not going to get you to push a button and get your blessing like a gum machine. I'm going to make you have to suck it up and do the right thing. And same thing for you, Clarice. I'm going to make you have to do the same thing and obey me because that's your problem that you started off with. You're a couple of atheists that you don't want God, but you want Eden, and it don't work that way. We're going to obey God. And you get some help with them to stay with them, and pretty soon you start supplying that hormone and things change. Happy Father's Day. Father in heaven, we thank you for something that we don't like to hear. The best of marriages is convicted right now. The best of marriages, because we men constantly struggle with the cross. To love your wife like Christ loved his church and gave himself for her, that she might be spotless and pure washed by the water with the word. I'm going to make you a better woman because of my love, period. And I am going to make you a happy man because I am going to treat you with respect, even for a time that you're stumbling over tenderness. I'm going to treat you with respect. 
And so God, help the best of us. Help the best of us. And I thank you, Lord, as I look around at this congregation and I see former disasters that are now leaders in our congregation because of the grace of God. In whose name we pray, amen.